be with the coach. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. Welcome back to Geekhead Radio. This is your co-host, your irritated co-host, Preacher23, who can't get the volume to turn the fuck down, because Window Media Player is now frozen. And this is Baron, straight from the fall-like Austin, Texas, who is ready to have some fun and talk Star Wars, Salt Lake City Comic Con, and all things geeky. I... Sorry. And this is Courtney, who um, believes that we're having all of these problems because we have been cursed by the we have been cursed by the dice gods at this point. Oh, we we unfortunately hey we, we we've got that little contest that we finally promised that we were going to reveal the winners for, and we do have two winners. But but the irony of it is is that um, they're gonna have they're only able to find out that they're winners by listening to this podcast. We're not going to announce it anywhere else. Which is perfect because I'm being an irritable bastard because of all the audio difficulties, <laughs> <laughs> the prep work that just went to hell because I was trying to get the perfect sound quality, and still Texas decides to have the constant piss sound of static. I don't know what you're talking about. It sounds <laughs> it, perfectly it's, awesome to me. That's a background noise in Texas. You just don't notice it after a while. <laughs> that is the sound of the Texas legislatures. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, luckily silenced for the next two years. Can we do it permanently? Uh, sure. Tell me how to do it, and I will implement it. Yeah, if you can do that, then pass it along, and then we'll do that to the Utah legislature as well, because they're just about as incompetent. <sighs> anyway. Uh, but that doesn't matter, because we've got lots of fun and interesting news that has come up over the last, you know, it's been almost a month, uh, that the Salt Lake City Comic Con kind of got in the way there, and we were having too much fun to yeah. record. Dang that, was, that inconvenient Comic-Con. Son of a bitch. It was two weeks ago, and when it came to Saturday, there was this bright idea that, hey, we'll record live at the Comic-Con, only to discover that 70,000 people were there that day. This yeah. is it, an insane number that has never been reached by an inaugural Comic-Con. Was that the final number? Yes. That was why the fire marshals were there, not allowing anybody in, and uh, irritating not only my wife, but Clayton and Kyle, and, uh, mm-hmm. and Courtney, Just because of we're suddenly terrified of large numbers of nerds. <laughs> I mean, nerdophobia. Ah, you know, and if you're one of the new listeners that we picked up from that uh, Comic-Con, let's, let's just very briefly tell you um geekhead radio is your one-stop podcast for all the half-assed geek news that's around the web and um we we try to be informative we try to be funny um we're usually neither we're we're a little bit drunk which i know may turn off some salt lake listeners 
And um, I'm primarily the crass one, but uh, Clayton's pretty drunk today, so he may beat me to the punch. Uh, you know, it's just been one of those afternoons where you just have fun and you let loose and uh, you let your geek flag fly. <laughs> yes, yes, you do. So, um, Clayton, let's test your mental acumen in preparing for, um, you know, how people can contact us outside of those, you know, nifty business cards we handed out all over the place. Oh, yes. The, the, if you were one of the lucky few that got one of our uh, little cards at Salt Lake City Comic Con, you would already know that you can find us at www.geekheadradio.com or you can head over to Facebook and if you type in geekheadradio.com, you can find us there. Or if you want to tell us how much you love us, you can send us individual emails at Aaron, Clayton, or Courtney at geekheadradio.com. Or if you are a member of the Twitterverse, you can find us at Geekhead Aaron, Geekhead Clayton, or Geekhead Court. And you can tell us how much you love us, hate us, or if you have a question, which we would love to answer on air, you can hit us up at any of those uh, locations and we can get you on air and get your question answered. Yeah, we did a whole show once on a topic that somebody suggested, so we do listen to you. So please, if you have ideas, let us know. Yeah, we are thrilled at the idea of being able to answer your questions to the best of our ability. Uh, we will actually do some research. Um, I, th- I think all three of us have master's degrees, and while we sometimes get lazy, we can do research. We at least make um, shit up. <laughs> I, d- crap, I didn't say am I the right. only one here without a master's degree? It wasn't really meant to be anything more than saying we could fake our way through all our written papers. Oh, I totally can, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, peer-reviewed scholarly journals were my bane, but because of that, (laughs) I I don't believe anything on the internet, which is good. Um, And another reason why I don't uh, um, believe much on the internet is because I'm drinking. So let's talk about the uh, drink of the show. Well, Clayton sometimes thinks he's a drunk girl because uh, <laughs> Courtney generally is our designated driver. But I have seen her get intoxicated. Not much. Say, <laughs> <laughs> so I did I drink around you? Well, I don't I, think I did. Oh, well, I know that there was there was some conversation about it. <laughs> yes, yes. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, you missed. You missed, buddy. I Sorry. know. I did. It, it's that damn kid. I couldn't go into yeah, the wine bar. Yeah. Well, um, tonight, um, I I just grabbed some coconut rum, and knowing that it had a very low alcohol content, dumped a shitload of it into a glass and added Coke. And uh, this is against my whole paleo thing. And uh, I'm going to probably be snockered at the end of the show, so remind me to save the recording. Yes. So you're not, now you're making me sound like a lightweight with my, <laughs> uh, my uh, uh, I'll, I'll turn my pinky up right now with my white Bordeaux wine um, that I am uh, enjoying that my wife has poured for me because she is such the wonderful wife that she thinks that I need to stay liquored um, you're so rambling that dear. I sound intelligent every once in a while. 
I was, I was go- golf clap for your Pepe Le Pew impression, man. That was awesome. <laughs> and I, once again, am the designated driver. I have a Dasani Sensations in grape flavor. Oh, yeah. Hmm. I, I very much approve of the grape flavor Dasani. Well, yep. You know, can't get better, much better than that, right? <sighs> <laughs> you don't sound convinced. No. Not really. So, um, because we're just, you know, your your one-stop uh, podcast for half-ass news and all that kind of stuff, and half-ass preparation because of technical difficulties, we should probably just kind of jump right into it. So, um, but I, sh- I should say, you know, these these two signed copies of the Joe Caroni um, Slave Princess uh, poster. True. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got two of those, and uh, we're going to announce uh, the two winners during the course of this podcast. So, um... In other words, uh, you're going to have to listen. We're going to do it broken up a bit. So um, here we go. Let's let's uh, let's do some news. Nah, I don't have drop. <laughs> I've got drops of plenty, but not one for the news. That was that got hijacked by fucking Skype. So wow. Let's let's uh let's talk about um uh, a little show that's going to be uh, starting Tuesday, September twenty fourth, which will probably be the day that I finally get this edited and uploaded. No wait, no wait. My mother in law's sister died, and I had to stay home, so it'll be up tomorrow morning. This is very sad. Well, I have to say that um, Agents of Shield TM um, is uh, got my wife's attention uh, so much so that. Uh, uh, she was uh, texting me at home to make sure that I recorded it last Tuesday, um, even though it uh, uh, doesn't uh, come out until this Tuesday. <laughs> she just wants to be on top of it. I understand she, we had that problem with elementary this week, so, you know. And when a, when a woman wants to be on top of something, you let her. But I'm so, uh, <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. Uh, Yeah. Oh, that you had prepped. <laughs> so, yeah, I think uh, having seen most of the promo bits for all of the fall television shows, uh, I have to say this is the one I'm looking forward to because the other ones freaking suck. Not all. Not, Not all, all, but most. So, so let's let's talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. a little bit. Um, if you don't already know, we have talked about it in a past podcast, but this is a spin-off of um, the Avengers and the entire Marvel movie universe, not including Spider-Man, X-Men, and the Fantastic Four. Or Ghost Rider or Daredevil. But, um... <laughs> nonetheless, it does have some continuity here. And in the ironic comic book twist of fate, Agent Coulson, who met the end of Loki's sharp parts, um, huh. has returned. And the big question is, is does he... Who is Agent Coulson? So um, I'm I'm I, I think uh, this little thing of bringing Agent Coulson back to life has got to be one of the uh, the uh, best hooks into a television series in a very long time mm-hmm. because pretty much everybody who watch Avengers is now going what the fuck um, because it was pretty apparent in the movie that he was dead yeah and and of course not just a little bit. 
It's just really, really, really dead. Yeah, yeah, really, really, really. He dead. didn't get mm. better. Mm. Um, but you know this 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 will be the interesting twist in it. They even they they acknowledge it right at the get go that he dropped. Um, and and the other agents know this, or at least uh, the hotshot rookie type, or whoever he is, Mister Good Looking Van Dean, or I, I don't know what the hell his name is. <laughs> <laughs> Prep time. None of it. But, um, uh, you know, we're going to be jumping right into it. Um, it's going to be a universe where superheroes are alive and well, but it's going to focus on the human element. So we'll have to see how well that works, because Joss Whedon, who directed the first one, has come out and said this is not a superhero of the week show. He wants this to be its own, its own little beast. Yeah, the, the, what I've seen so far is it definitely seems to play out somewhere between... NCIS and Bones um, hmm. for the the listeners that uh, are watching the crime drama. It definitely seems to be the technology that is involved in both of those shows, but mm-hmm. with a healthy dose of the personality from NCIS. Hmm. And it's, I'm sure it's going to have the nice, wonderful, sharp writing uh, and dialogue that you have come to know and love and watch get canceled. By Joss Whedon. And people will randomly die? Yes, especially ones that you like. But yes. obviously, nah, Phil Coulson's death didn't really mean much, so we'll have to see what that really comes out to be. Yeah, I'm really interested to see the uh, the, the, the tidbits that they've, they've dropped as far as the science side of the show have really got me interested. It definitely seems to be a more realistic version of the the science that we see kind of exaggerated in shows like Bones um, that have kind of, well, if you like science and forensics, then Bones kind of drives you nuts. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> but it definitely seems like they're going to try to uh, take the superhero angle and say, you know, it really is supposed to be pretty badass. It's not supposed to be realistic. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. So now let's, let's, uh, we haven't seen it yet. Um, I know some people have. The reviews have been uh, mostly positive. So um, I always take the philosophy that um, what you do is you watch the first three episodes of a series before you give it a full judgment. Generally, I'm not a big fan of the pilots. I think that's uh, a really smart way to do things. Yeah, because, it can usually uh, take three to get going. Yeah, because you really don't get a good lay of the the land or a good um, a depth of character in just one episode. You really need a couple of episodes to really get the background and get the a good solid footing for. It doesn't matter whether it's Shield or whether it's Downton Abbey. You don't get. <laughs> and I'm sorry, that's my wife. Wait, uh, hold on. I'm, I'm contaminated. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're off in, in Clayton Rambleland. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, it doesn't matter what type of genre of show you're in, you, you really can't get a good lay of the story or the characters unless you give uh, it the episodes. I'm having the audio difficulty of Window Media Player not responding. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> I think they usually give the reviewers three the the reviewers three episodes too, just from what I've kind of picked up from here. And so, yeah. even they think three episodes is a good play is a good way to go. 
So um, check that out. Um, that'll be on the uh, Tuesday, the 24th. Set your DVRs if you're like me and um, enjoy the show. And let us know what you think. Um, post on our Facebook page. You know, Post on our actual website page. All that kind of fun stuff. So uh, Let us know what you think because we actually value your opinion unlike most other people. <laughs> He loves you, man. Claire's I really do love you. He likes to speak for all of us. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, now, this one is a show that I saw um, previewed on Fox, and I saw Damon Lindoff's name attached to it, or I thought I did, and immediately got terrified and decided to vomit. So, Sleepy really? Hollow. You're really terrified of, of Lindoff? I hate him because he, he's, he's like the saddest hand job in, in the world. There's a lot of promise there and just not enough payoff. He does not know how to like bring it to a climax. <laughs> um, I suppose. I, I, is he associated with Sleepy Hollow? I didn't see that. Uh, maybe he's not. Um, maybe I just I think read you're just into paranoid, that. man. You're seeing Lindoff everywhere. I know. <laughs> well, when they when, when they say brought to you by the same people who brought you Star Trek Into Darkness. Damon Lindoff is kind of a bastard child in Hollywood right now, and they're not running out there to advertise his name, and so they like to play that little game. So I kind of fell for it because of, you know, the last thing I want is a magical Tribble re- resurrection. <laughs> I could, I, 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 magical I could. Tribbles for all! Come on. <laughs> no, there's no Lindoff. You're, 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 no. you're safe. I, no, I, I, I don't believe I'm looking so. At the, I am looking at IMDb. There is no Lindoff. No. <laughs> then I'll However, give the show a I chance. I must say, after having, watched the first, after having watched the first episode of Sleepy Hollow, I think it's fabulous. Everybody needs to watch it. So a show that I love does not get canceled. It's very important to me that you all watch Sleepy so, Hollow because it's really quite good. Why? I, it's, I like what they're doing with it. Um I wish I had watched the watched the preview, uh, the full preview, so I knew what was considered a spoiler and what wasn't. But mm. they're combining some things with it um, that I never th- would have thought of necessarily going with the headless horseman. But it's but once you see where they're going with it, it's like, oh my gosh, why didn't I think about combining that? It's pretty awesome. So yes, there is. There are costumes, and if, if you're into this sort of thing like I am, there's costumes. There's accents. There's there's goth suffering. There's witchery, and there's snarkiness. Goth Plus, suffering. Goth suffering. Yes. Oh yes. 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 Of course. Um, maybe I'm maybe I'm projecting, but you know, if you're basically, um. Ichabod Crane, uh, you know, has been has been dead for 250 years and comes back to modern times to fight the headless horseman. So, of course, there's going to be some sort of goth suffering because his wife, you know, his his, his wife would have died years ago, and you know, things like that. So there's there there's there's some angst, but it's um it's you know the snarkiness really carries it. As you know, my husband said he likes to think that if he was all of a sudden brought back, you know, 250 years in the future, he'd have pretty much the same attitude. So. Your husband doesn't count as most people. No, but some people think he's funny. Some people think he's funny. Oh, Oh, yeah, he is totally funny. Yeah, so what I'm saying is that sense of humor is there. And it's pretty, I I like it. As I said, they're combining the Headless Horseman with with some other things that you wouldn't said. I never thought of putting together, but totally works. You I know, like where they're going with it. 
I'm I'm kind of happy. If you want me that... to give it away, I will. No. Okay. I'll 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 go check it out on Hulu. So so watch the first episode on Hulu if it's on Hulu. I am not sure. I should have checked that. Yeah. My computer killed. Well, we were we were having technical difficulties, and I will continue to repeatedly blame the internet on our <laughs> lack of preparation. <laughs> Maybe we should start writing our notes a week in advance. Who knows? We're out of <laughs> heavens for fend. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, I, no, I'm just um, glad they're not doing as, another uh, vampire movie. Hollow on uh, Hulu, it will eventually be up. If you want to get it immediately, you need to go to fox.com slash sleepy dash hollow. And I caught a nice little article here, too, for you Fringe fans and uh, Denethor fans out there. John Noble will be joining the cast of oh. Sleepy Hollow, which, which that in and of itself is almost a sell to me because I'm in season four. Uh, of um of fringe and very much i just i want to hug walter all the time yeah um let me know when you get done with that i'd love to discuss the ending with you okay we just we just finished it okay yeah and uh let's let's uh let's talk about a a little show that we're all very very aware of and my delaying for the purposes of I'm trying it's not to working. figure out why you're delaying. <laughs> I was trying to find the Star Wars theme. Let's talk Star Wars. <laughs> On this uh, podcast? Really? You sure? I, I, well, I I could do the Star Wars gangster rap. Okay. That's what I found. <laughs> Takes too long to start up, though. No, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> So uh, I guess this is the, the the part of the show where we go to um, growth speculation <laughs> and wishful thinking. Wishful thinking. Uh, yeah, some of the the names that are being chucked around uh, when it comes to Star Wars Episode Seven are both awesome and terrifying. Yes, um, I'm. A lot of this stuff is coming from Bleeding Cool News and also from Latino Review. Now, Latino Review has got a pretty good track record when it comes to um, their reporting of um, inside news when it comes to any geeky property. And so, right now, um, the one of the people that is really um, on the radar for uh, the lead, the potential lead in Star Wars Episode Seven, which I believe also may be called a New Dawn. That is the rumor. Okay, um, but we all know after the debacle of Revenge of the Jedi turning into Return of the Jedi, that can change at a moment's notice. But um, Cerise Ronan, who um, is a wonderfully beautiful Gaelic woman. Oh, yes. Um, she has been uh, mentioned for th- one of the uh, younger female leads. Um, don't have character names, but uh, some of the casting information that is kind of getting tossed around, I'm I'm starting to, to suspect that uh, EU is about to go way out the, the back door, because I'm not necessarily getting the rumblings of the Jason and Jaina twins, but um, that may just be my my desire for the EU to die in a fire. 
I really think that with amongst the other casting rumors that they are going to talk about the Skywalker and Solo kids, but I'm guessing since JJ is involved that he will probably go far out into left field and ball up the EU and score a three pointer before it bursts into flames. Um, it's very evocative, man. <laughs> Who knew you and I appreciate that. Go sports ball. Put yeah. score the points and and beat the other team. Go yes. sports. <laughs> <laughs> as you as you were trying to poetically say before we started teasing you. <laughs> I I just think that they they are going to go with the the children of the older generation, but they're going to go in a direction that the EU or the original story um, did not go. So we're going to see something that both draws on the original timeline, but uh, goes doesn't, off yeah. if it doesn't. And, and one of the interesting things that's also been kicked around, and this is mentioned in the same article on Latina Review, uh, excuse me, this one's on Bleeding Cool's uh, um, article, but um, Benedict Cumberbatch, because, you know, he was in a J.J. Abrams production, we automatically have to assume he's going to be in every J.J. Abrams production. I thought we were just assuming Cumberbatch was in everything at this point. Yeah. Um, I, li- seem to be. I like him, but um, he, he uses his mouth too much. He over-enunciates everything he says. But... <laughs> Yeah, you don't want to watch the the any of the previews for the WikiLeaks movie. It will drive you insane. Uh, but good yeah. old Benedict is um, supposedly going to have his character introduced and be very small in Episode 7, but then a much bigger part in Episodes 8 and 9. Now, I was just thinking about this, and, and my you know some people assume Sith Lord. I'm thinking if they don't ignore the EU, we're looking at our Thrawn because I think he could pull that character off. Well, I, I, I would agree with you there. If we stick to the original intent of episodes 7, 8, and 9, as far as what Lucas wrote, we're looking at more of a, a political character rather than... Please, no more political characters. I'm sorry. The, the, the original intent of, of 7, 8, or 9, if you ever get your hands on them... <laughs> They are political dramas. They are dry. They are boring. They want I, to make I, you sh- <laughs> to sh- put a lightsaber to your head and flip on the on switch. Thank Abrams God is going to make gone. crap blow up. I'm sorry. That's just what it's going to be. You know, yeah. stuff's going to blow up. I, I, I have a hard time seeing political drama. As long as it's less walking, sitting, looking out a window that we got from the, the new trilogy. Um, I think we've had our, our, our fill of dry... I just, I just want better dialogue. Please. But, you know, Ab- Abrams can kind of deliver that, so we'll, we'll see yeah. how that goes. Now, yeah. before we go into more casting news here, um, let, let's, uh, let's, let's announce our first winner of the uh, Slate Princess. It's me! Yay! No! Yay. Actually, Actually, it was. Actually, it was. <laughs> That's why the dice gods have cursed us. Because we didn't just go with it and give it to me. It was, uh, it was destined, but no. No. Because so, we love you listeners. Are you ready? We love ourselves. Jeff Thorson. 
All right, Jeff. <laughs> that is so funny because I was gonna do I was gonna do that, but I made, I was taking a drink. <laughs> <laughs> so Jeff Thorson, um, you're one of our newer listeners, and uh, once again, I'm having. <laughs> you can't turn off the music. Can you? This is really annoying. I'm gonna destroy my computer tonight. All right, Jeff Thorson. <laughs> Jeff, we love you. We know you are one of the. Uh, Listeners that joined us post Salt Lake City Comic Con, and we love you for that. And you are really going to love this print from uh, from Joe. It is really awesome. So get a hold of us um, through the Facebook page, and what we will be doing is um, getting your address and contact information, and we will mail it directly to you. Now, if you don't contact us, Jeff, by the next recording um we're actually going to be announcing a new winner so um we're just going to do it that way and be jerks um you're on a deadline tick tock tick tock so you got at least two weeks at least two weeks and if technical difficulties get in the way it may be longer because that just seems to be what's working in our favor it is because we 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 thwarted the dice gods for you jeff yes (laughs) you must you must be prepared all right um going back to our david how how (laughs) now i'm loving this i found ign's um uh ign's report of two more casting rumors and it says star wars looks to cast diversity into the force and I was like, really? We're, we're going to play the token card? Is that how we're going to do it? Apparently. <sighs> anyway, um, I would have been happy if they hadn't just said diversity, if they had just gone with it. But um, David uh, Olowo, oh God. Yeah, I have no idea how you pronounce that. And Michael B. Jordan, who uh, may or may not be related to Michael Jordan. I'm going to go with the may not. And um, <laughs> they are being ca- they are also being uh, considered theoretically for um, unknown characters. So, um, if- and f- as far as reference, if anybody has seen um, Red Tails, yes, um, which is George Lucas's World War II aviator film, um, you will know both of these actors. Yes, um, and and they have very familiar faces. Um, they they haven't really had any breakout roles yet, but they've they've done a, a phenomenal job in in background characters. And um, Michael Jordan, Michael B. Jordan, I'm assuming he wants to go by, so not to be confused with the Michael Jordan. Um, he has also been rumored for the Fantastic Four reboot as Johnny Storm, which of course you know freaked everybody out because like he's not he's he's white. I, I I saw that. My my big thing is, do we need a Fantastic Four reboot already? Back to yes. that. Yes, we do. It was yes, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But all bad. both films are atrocious. Oh, and... I'm not saying that's not the case, but <laughs> right, do something new, people. Okay, carry on. Well, they can do the one where the the big giant eating alien named Galactus actually eats them all and they end the franchise. Oh, that would be cool. That would be satisfying. <laughs> all right. And um, so so take that as you will. I'm sure everybody is going to automatically assume because they are 
um, of African descent, that they're going to be related to Lando Calrissian because white people are that stupid. Now, <laughs> the worst part is, is that chances are, <laughs> if they do do that, it's because white guys wrote the script. So just keep that in mind. I don't know. We, I actually like the idea, the, uh, the, the latest bit of news that was brought to us by uh, this, this Jedi news. This tickles oh. me because I I have a I have a very very special place in my heart for this young actress. And why do you have a special place in your heart for this actress? Because I'm one of the few straight men that likes to watch Lost Girl. There are quite a few straight men that like to watch Lost Girl. Um, one of my coworkers went to the San Diego Comic Con um, panel for. Um, for Lost Girl and said that her husband, who doesn't like the show, who was sitting in there with her, was the only straight male in there. It's primarily women and, and hmm. you know, gay men. So um, I'm okay huh. with that. But um, nonetheless, uh, Kenzia Solo. Squeaky! I love her! And, um, she's adorable. I'm, there, she's got some good acting chops. She was also mm-hmm. in Black Swan, so... Um, She's not just being considered because her last name's Solo, which would be incredibly <laughs> lame yeah. if that was the only Although reason Although it wouldn't why. surprise me if that's how the casting rumor got started. Yeah, I, I'm sure there are, there are plenty of uh, uh, geeks and nerds that are, that, are, that are completely latched onto the Solo yeah. name. They're going, oh, she has to be in there because her name's there. Yeah, I that's absolutely solo. love her, but I'm, I'm going to rank this up to bullshit. <laughs> Until she says something, which is probably the smartest thing to do anyway. But yeah, yeah. and uh, Jedi News, which d- usually does a pretty good job of poking around, mm-hmm. uh, even they have this in their rumor mirror category, and and sell Lucas Films uh, goes through the process and actually says that she's being considered. They're like, nope, it's just a rumor. And um, I, I do have to say uh, this will be this will be fun because Abrams is a notorious misdirector, and um, when it comes to uh, teasers and um, little spoilers that come out prior to his movies, um, even though everybody desperately knew that um, Benedict Cumberbatch was con, um, he still refused to admit it up until the first airing and. Um, Pretty much everybody else kind of hang on, hang on to it, but it turned into kind of a tongue-in-cheek, wink-wink, nod-nod. Oh, it's not con. But um, I, I think it'll be fun because we're going to get a new story, um, and he's not going to deny that he's uh, changing the EU, but he's not going to confirm it either. I'm okay with that. So I actually kind of expect it. Um, and let's talk about this other little bit of news, which is kind of one of those, where the fuck did this come from uh, moments? What's that, huh? Brian Singer is going to produce a monster kaiju, kaiju series for sci-fi. And kaiju, of course, is the genre that um, Godzilla, uh, Mothra, Gamera, Gamera? I'm, I'm, I'm getting Damn, one. Gamera's and, close enough. And, giant uh, monsters. Yeah, giant rubber monster suits. But then Pacific Rim came along and took it a little bit more seriously. Um, and... Uh, you know, it, it could be interesting. I don't know what the hell they're going to do with it, though. I mean, Brian Singer yeah. is one of those guys that either does phenomenal or just 
steps in his own shit periodically. Yeah, the the premise of the story is very interesting where they're saying they're not going to be dealing with a kaiju directly, but dealing with them and then, the, oh, the, the monster has been killed in this town and now the, the, the story is going to pick up after the, the monster has been killed. Okay, you say it sounds interesting. I have to read this exactly. The story follows a middle management undersecretary from the California Emergency Management Agency who, under the world's watchful eyes, must lead the cleanup and restoration efforts in the small town that came out under attack once the creature has been put down. It's got to be awesome because that really sounds like the most boring show synopsis ever. It has got to be a comedy. If it it's got to be amazing. A comedy, <laughs> if it's, if it, they try it, to take it seriously, he can... It, this the show will fail miserably. It it sounds very much like Dante's Inferno. If, um, if it's not like Warehouse Thirteen, where it, it's just constantly winking at the audience, uh, it's not going to work. Slime of the week. Yeah. <laughs> so we can uh, hope. We, can, we we will we will cross our fingers and hope that Brian Singer gives us something that we will love and coddle and endear and stick around to watch more of. And call George. And call George. Yes. So, um, yeah, let's, let's, let's get to the meat of the show, which is basically our reflections of Salt Lake Comic Con. So... Meanwhile, at the Hall of Doom... Okay. So what were we doing back at the ranch? What are we ba- doing back at the ranch? Well, um... Let's see. We we already hinted at the top of the show of you know hinting. That's that's the worst word to use, but that's the alcohol speaking. Um, we already talked about at the top of the show that we were all together at Salt Lake Comic Con this year, and this was pretty damn cool because uh, this is the first time we actually got to hang out and see each other in person after doing the show you, for over a year. You do exist, Aaron. You're not just a, a well-programmed AI on the other end of the on the other end of a Skype call. I'm 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 the Max Headroom of all this. <laughs> <sighs> wow, the sudden the sudden images of you headbanging. Uh, 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 uh. No, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, this was a pretty phenomenal event. Um, this started off um, as a very small convention that that we were all very much prepared for. This to just be kind of a hey, let's all go to the convention, um, we'll do the three-day pass, we'll all get together, and we'll do all sorts of things outside of the convention because it's going to be boring as hell. And nah, wrong. It expanded. <laughs> yeah. And expanded. And got larger. And the next thing we knew, it was moved to the Salt Palace. And then it was selling out again, and it just... It exploded. Um... I've said in previous podcasts, in 2010, I was in the, at Gen Con, and that was a, a pretty impressive event. There was 38,000 attendees that year. Um, this year, Gen Con 2013, um, I, had, I had an opportunity to speak to uh, the Tracy Hickman, who I'm still waiting to contact me, because he said he, he'd like to be on the show to promote his new game. Um, he, he said that he, he's been to Gen Con... Uh, for th- it's been running for 40 years, and he's been there the last 30. And they broke some records this year with 49,000. And uh, Salt Lake Comic Con, for its first inaugural one, hit at 70,000 on Saturday. Um, it was hitting the 50,000 numbers uh, Friday, uh, Thursday and Friday, right? Yes. I think so. Yeah. 
it it blew past all of the records and the pre the actually the the record for first year inaugural had been set the previous year by the Denver Comic Con, which was also uh, just crazy attendance, had just over 70,000 total. And Salt Lake blew past that in just its Saturday attendance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, they this, this took up the entire Salt Palace Convention Center. And uh, this is not a small convention center. It's nowhere near as large as the San Diego Convention Center, which is um, about a one mile, it's one square mile, if not more. I can't remember the conversions. It's it's one mile across, one mile width, whatever. Um, I'm it's not big. I'm not the engineer. Um, <laughs> uh, so I I will say this. I mean, the vast majority of the guests really were for this first time around a who's who who of who's not working. <laughs> But Claire but Coffee's was, working. Yeah, well, Claire Coffee is working. But well, so was Manu. There was a the enthusiasm that they brought mm. to the Comic Con has to be commended because you could really feel their passion for their previous work and what they're working on to bring to the small and big screen in the coming years. And. I want to say, let's not forget the authors, because oh. I thought the author panels were just phenomenal. And even if I hadn't heard of the authors by the end, every everybody at all the panels that I saw, everybody had something just really interesting to say. And I actually found some of the author panels even more interesting than the you know big who's who of who's not working. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite panels, and I'm going to leave this completely to Courtney, because I let her shine in her podcasting host um, abilities <laughs> in, try, in trying to entrap this this wonderful adjunct professor. Um, we sat in on a, uh, well, they, they kind of let us know that um, the panel was created almost out of nowhere, and they were given a title and expected to just kind of talk about it as such. And so it was, H.P. Lovecraft, is his work still relevant in this day and age? And, of course, the resounding uh consensus was yes except except for, for the one, one guy who's like well somebody's got to say got to say no he had so to be I'm the contrarian no. it, he obviously had drawn the short straw right um this was probably one of the funnest panels because we um i i didn't you know it would have been smart of me to take notes but i was also trying to wrestle a child who was extremely exhausted and was so bored <laughs> i mean because this one started at what eight o'clock at night Yes. And that was wait, that was his bedtime. So, um, Courtney, take it away. This was a this was a killer panel in my Oh, opinion. this this panel was it, this panel was fabulous. I cannot remember all of the people that were on it except for except for Paul Anderson who was the who who was leading the panel. Uh, yes, it was about Lovecraft, Lovecraft's work whether it's still relevant uh, relevant now. Um, the um, most people said yes, absolutely. Uh, the guy that did the guy that disagreed said that he felt that it wasn't as relevant because um, because it wasn't as scary as it used to be because part of the, the horror of, uh, of Lovecraft is kind of the nihilism, the fact that the mm-hmm. universe and all of the bad guys just don't care. And we have come, we have come around as a society to be more that way. So it's not as scary anymore. It's just mm-hmm. what we believe. And everybody else said, no, you're nuts. Uh, <laughs> but it, it was, I have to admit that there was a certain, there was, 
he he had thought that through, and I thought, oh, I thought it was that a good was argument, a, yeah. Because there is some truth to it. Because I mean, as he was stating that um, part of the issue was is uh, during the nineteen twenties and thirties when Lovecraft was primarily um, publishing, he um, he was a devout atheist, and his gods um, didn't didn't give a shit. They existed. They were there. They didn't care if they stomped all over you. If you worshipped them, you would still die. If you didn't worship them, you'd still die. There was there was nothing that was going to save you. You were going to be destroyed, and and that went across the whole concepts that um, most organized religions try to portray, which is you matter. And um, I thought that was a that was a, a pretty good. Um, synopsis of that but anyway continue it was it was yes um yeah so there was a lot of discussion on that on you know whether he was actually a whether he was empirically a good writer uh which of course most people say eh, you know he really wasn't but he's a fantastic storyteller and you still love him anyway mm-hmm. um but yeah well, so i think that was really because the the fact that uh, lovecraft was definitely was definitively seated in a very old style or in at least that in the the context of the 20s very old style of storytelling that it was something that he was the people that he had been influenced by were from the the 19th century from the 1880s 1870s and that really made it a lot harder for people to grasp his storytelling method. Well, that's part of it. Also, you know, if you go by the if you, if you go by the uh, all of the you know technical how how you should be writing rules, you know, Lovecraft breaks oh, them yeah. all. Uh, and he's you know he's he he does a lot of telling, not a lot of showing. He uses adverbs all over the place. Um, you know, he breaks a lot of the empirical rules in his you know story arcs. You know, pretty much everything ends by everything ends by somebody fainting, and it's just done. I mean, the the one of the one of the classic and the ending. Here here you go, blah. I got nothing. Um, but you know, even even with all that, it's still you know very evocative and good you know good storytelling that grabs people he just so. didn't know how to write dialogue worth a damn which was one of the one of the complaints um but he knew how to write a narrative and and create uh, new prose out of nowhere that that stuck in the zeitgeist of our generation um you mm-hmm. know certain certain terms like eldritch and cyclopean and all that kind of stuff didn't exist oh, yes. until he came around and did that but you know lewis carroll did the same thing with terms like chortle you know and vorpal mm-hmm. yeah but the part that i thought was awesomest that you know turned me oh, into yes. a into a squeeing fangirl is yes paul anderson the panel the panel lead had a had a recently discovered lovecraft manuscript with him it was so awesome. I got to it be very close the to it. Last known document, known um, script, and it was one where he uh, he ghost wrote for um, Harry Houdini. Exactly, and it wasn't for those who are for those who are Lovecraft fans. It was not under the pyramids. I originally thought he was say, he had a, was saying he had a copy of Under the Pyramids, but that still hasn't been found. Uh, it was a uh, it's a chapter from a book he wrote uh, he wrote for Houdini, debunking astrology, and it was never published because Houdini got punched in the stomach soon thereafter and, and died. Uh, however, this manuscript, and, of he and you can died see of there's a, what coincidence. 
Yes. There's a there's a picture of it, because I got a picture. There's a picture of it on our Facebook page. Um, if I need to repost that because it's way far back, I can if anybody's interested. But yeah, so you it's should. I should. Okay. It's written uh written on the back of letters because Lovecraft was very, very poor. And so so he wrote on the back of on the back of everything. In his handwriting and we got to the end, he wrote the end, thank God, G A W D. Yay. And it's also signed by, you know, some dude named Houdini, too, you know, if you care about that. But, um, yeah, it was very cool. And I was very interested as a love as a, a, a Lovecraft fan. I was very interested in actually who I asked. So who are all the letters from you? Know, hoping we'd have Robert Block or Clark Ashton Smith that I could take a look at letter that I could take a look at, too. But, you know, it was stuff from the IRS and, you know, <laughs> poems that people sent him. He was he was a frugal guy. So not necessarily anything particularly interesting in the letters, but it was still it was still totally awesome. Well, that pri- just made my weekend right there. <laughs> and prior to his uh, death, too, he had also written an article apparently on how you can subside on two dollars a month. Yes, 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 he did. Yeah, that was, yeah, I think they mentioned that, but that's one of the, uh, he ate a lot of canned beans and various things that they think probably, uh, probably contributed to his, the stomach cancer, which eventually killed him because he was cheap. Well, and poor, <laughs> not just cheap. But. And depressed and all and, sorts of yes. other things. I, he was a big mess. Uh, and, and, you know, oh, kind of racist too, but oh, uh, oh, just, just yeah. a wee bit. Yeah, a smidgy. So yeah, but I think that's a true because we also there was a brief conversation in one of the panels about uh, um, Scott talking about Ender's Game that uh. the, the best writers are those that can tell a story and not show their inner prejudice because we all I'm know sorry, Scott. Have you, I'm sorry. Have you read Lovecraft? <clears throat> He doesn't show. He doesn't show it. He embraces it. He, uh, well, he that's revels true. in yes, it. Yes, he, he definitely yeah. embraces he it. He cavorts yeah, naked horror, through the fields and, with his racism. Yeah, yeah. read Terror of I, Red Hook and try not to get sick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, it, they're just the good writers don't like blatantly shout. You know, I am racist. Um, they find a way of of telling it within the story that. Um, allows you to see it from the character's perspective that allows you to um which doesn't make it any better for the well, record we are not endorsing no, that no 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 we're we're no we're not but <laughs> good storytellers allow you to understand a character but allow you to also uh draw your own conclusions um that they don't tie you to their character's perspective and their reasoning. Uh, all right. That, I think that's a topic of its own podcast because I'm about to it go off be. on scar on card because I don't think he fits any of that criteria. But um, moving along, <laughs> Clayton, what was one of the panels that really uh, jumped out at you? That, that... Um, well, the, the panel that we, uh, my wife and I had the most fun with was... Uh, the Hickman's Killer Breakfast. It had nothing to do with learning. It was all about having fun. So and did you get eggs? Because learning isn't fun, kids. No, it's yes. hard. <laughs> no, the, the, if, uh, if you've ever been to a con that the, the Hickmans have attended, they always do Killer Which is Breakfast. Tracy and Laura Hickman. Yes, Tracy and Laura Hickman. And basically they allow a very small group of participants into a very small conference room 
They allow you to role play with them, and then they kill you. And uh, my wife is relatively uh, inexperienced when it comes to the genre of role playing. Um, and they put her up on stage. She had a lot of fun, and then they killed her in a very spectacular way that involved a holy hand grenade of Antioch. Um, and and then I uh, followed in her stead and was killed by one of the ring wraiths from Lord of the Rings. Um, if the Hickmans are at a convention that you're at, go out of your way to go to their killer breakfast. You will sing songs, you will role play and you will die and you will be entertained the entire time. Um, I, I can't say anything more of, uh, to you because it's just, it's pure awesome. And, and he's drunk. So don't ask him to do any more. You might hurt him. <laughs> now, now for me on, um, I think it was Saturday. I can't remember. It doesn't matter. Um, Kevin Murphy, the one and only Tom Servo from Mystery Science Theater 3000, and also one of the writers and um, performers of Riff Tracks, um, with an X, look it up. Um, he he had a, a completely full panel room, um, the, and it was a, one of the larger conference halls. Um, and he talked about his experiences on Mystery Science Theater 3000. He talked about riff tracks. And then while he was cracking jokes and making fun of Utah culture and, and, and divulging that he actually is a graduate. Well, I don't think he was a graduate. He was a participant of uh, the University of Utah. Um, he said that uh, he was skiing more than he was doing anything else. Uh, he, we had a rousing uh, drinking song that was saying goodbye to our mistress, Alcohol. And it was quite phenomenal. Um, What's with Rift Tracks? Rift Rift Tracks, not Rift, but Rift Tracks is basically, it's uh, it's Mike Nelson, um, Kevin Murphy, and uh, the guy who played Crow. Oh, my God. I don't know his name off the top of my head. Um, I'm going to say Bill Corbett. Um... We'll forgive you. Yeah. Um, it's either Bill Corbett or Tracy. It's, it's probably Bill. Um, what they do is basically they, they, they do an MP3 recording of, uh, of a movie. Um, it could be a new release um, to DVD or any number of things. And uh, you play that side by side with your recording. And uh, they basically make fun of the movie the entire way through. And much like Mystery Science Theater 3000, some of the jokes fall flat. And some of them are pure comedic gold. Um, and th- th- they're pretty inexpensive, and they also do live uh, international broadcasts as well. Um, and recently they did their live broadcast of Night of the Living Dead, basically making fun of that wonderful gem. But um, if you've never seen an episode of Mystery Science Theater 3000 and you love campy science fiction and you love to make fun of this stuff, uh, you, you pick it up. I'm, I mean, most people know who they are, but... It's been a long time since they've been on the air. <laughs> it's been since 1999. So I guess 13 years is... Kind of, oh. 14 years is kind of a long time, huh? Yes, so. Sad. Yeah, especially in TV years. Yeah. I, I will say I have uh, partaken in a few of their um, more recent uh, riff tracks. Um, if it is totally worth spending a couple bucks to... 
download their audio of a movie that you hold dear and then syncing it up with a DVD that you own. Or it's the days. only way to watch the Twilight Saga. No. <sighs> Uh, it, it, oh, do you have to up. watch it? Yeah, it's it's totally worth it. It's totally huh. worth it. He he, he ran a um a promo reel of uh, their stuff for <laughs> next year, and oh my god, it's it's you, I would watch the last Twilight movie just to listen to them rip into it. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure I would go that far. Yeah, dude. I how how much have you been drinking? Um, not as much as Clayton. Yeah, and even Clayton not, wouldn't do it. Wouldn't do that. <laughs> no, I'm not drunk enough to watch Twilight. All right, but um, also just a couple of little things that um, I saw a um, a uh, <laughs> I found a nice little uh, panel that was on horrible, horrible movies to watch and uh, and to make fun of um, just because they are just horribly bad. And uh, one of the ones that uh, movies that I need to find. This one's not out on Netflix, but it's Fateful Findings. Um, I will review this once I see it. And then uh, Miami Connection, which apparently is hidden deep in Netflix's library. And this is a horrible, horrible martial arts movie that was done by a dojo master who thought he was a director and he hired his students to play the main characters. And it is... um, We saw the previews of this and it is just... It is so horrible. Fabulous. So and then there's also um, one that you could probably find on YouTube called Deadly Prey. And um, <laughs> I'm just damn excited. It was it was a great uh, panel of just what horrible movies are worth seeing. And, of course, The Room was brought up, as was Birdemic and all other things. Birdemic. Hmm. That is an awesomely awful movie. I, I, I hated it um, halfway through it because I thought that um, it was purposefully being bad. And then I found out that the poor director really thought he was doing something good. And it, it once again became endearing to me. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, fabulous. I might have to look that one up. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, yeah. oh, yes. And, and to all of our, our listeners, if you have not seen Birdemic yet just google it i know i i convinced some of our listeners to actually um <laughs> watch it and i watched the reactions and 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 two of them were quite irritated yet um uh, at my suggestion <laughs> now are you saying birdemic like epidemic with birds yes yes birdemic awesome. shock and awe oh even better oh, you it cannot has a subtitle. you cannot watch this movie sober unless you are quite capable of just watching the worst production you have ever seen and the Pretty much, and it is so awful. Yes, I am. <laughs> he earned enough move, enough money to make a sequel, and he oh, still yeah. thinks it's damn good. <laughs> so um, look mm. for that. Mm. Um, what else should we talk about the Comic Con? Uh, we saw oh, some one of- more thing I want to oh, say yeah. about the panels. If you are not necessary, you know, back to back to learning is fun. One of the things that I thought was so fabulous about it is if you wanted something with, um, if you wanted something with, you know, maybe a little more meat than Birdemic 
I don't know, maybe there was a lot of meat and birdemic. I don't know. It, it was kind of like they, a, lot of a lot of the panels were kind of like a mini writers conference, which I thought oh, yeah. was very cool. I don't know if that's actually typical of Comic Cons, but um, you know, if you wanted to, if you wanted to, you know, if you're a writer that wanted to break into the publishing industry, they had, they had. Uh, panels on how to show your story as opposed to telling it. They had panels on the publishing industry, how to get in. They had pub- they had a panel on balancing having an artistic career with a full-time job. And from what I saw, they had one on social media for, for artists. From what I saw, they had a whole track for people that wanted to get into art and comic books as well. So, you know, it wasn't, I mean, it, there was a lot of, you know, really fun, you know, fluffy stuff, but there was a lot of, you know, fun, serious stuff too. And, you know, all the people that they had on those panels, the ones that we went to the ones with the authors it wasn't just you know here's what i've done by my book it was you know great topics the authors all had you know really interesting helpful and supportive stuff to say and it was more than just by my book and by the end of it you know there were some authors that you know james dashner especially is you know one that i want to look up now after hearing him talk so many times um you know it made me want to buy these people's books way more than you know, a, a buy my book panel would have. Dashner made enough of a a uh, argument, uh, and he was so well spoken that as soon as we were out of that writers panel, mm-hmm. my wife made a beeline for his booth out of the vendor's floor, bought his Maze Runner book, and had it signed. Yeah, he's on my list as soon as I finish reading what I'm reading now. I'm I'm picking up that cuz yeah, he by the end we were we were looking when we were comparing panels, we were like, "Oh, which one's Dashner on? We're going to that one." So, extremely well spoken, very uh, very knowledgeable, very personable. I just loved him. Him and the 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 moderator for the HP Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. Um, we went to not only did he do Lovecraft, he also did a entire panel on Disney's Haunted Mansion. He's one of not only does he love his Lovecraft, he also is a uh one of the researchers for the Disney Family Institute. Awesome. And uh talk about two ends of the spectrum of both creepy. Well, I guess they're both creepy. They're both creepy. Just did in different ways. Okay. And before we move on, cuz I think it's time um you know, we're plodding along here at about an hour. Um, I think it's time to announce the second winner. Yes, let's do that. All right, the second winner the drum roll. of the uh, <laughs> ah, the uh, second winner of the Slave Princess print is Chris Loham. I even went as far as to get <laughs> Final Fantasy music. One. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, like right out of a 1980s anime show exactly <laughs> so chris loham uh contact us you you know you heard when the other guy won i'm not going to say the other guy's name because uh you know if you're just scanning through this podcast i want to make it difficult <laughs> you'll never find it <laughs> really like us he likes us he really really likes us so um let's uh Let's let's move on and talk about the vendor floor because that was pretty interesting. Just uh, briefly, because this one doesn't really sound like we need to retread. Because a lot of them were local companies. Some of the more um, geek oriented companies in Salt Lake and Utah, um, primarily. 
uh, places like uh, my favorite Hasser Games and Hobbies. They had, um, uh, but then they also had Fye there, which I didn't realize was still around. So, and, and then and then they had Night Flight Comics, which is, an, is a very amazing comic book store here in Utah as well. Um, but uh, they had they had some pretty interesting um, arrangements there. Um, booths that were dedicated to the Mandalorian mercenaries, uh, specifically the Krite clan. Um, the 501st Alpine Garrison had a wonderful booth where you were able to also do the year their droid hunt where you uh, signed up the day before, got a R2 unit that was on a little uh, laminated placard. You wore that around your neck on a lanyard, and if a stormtrooper walked by and asked you, how long have you owned those droids, um, he, he took those droids from you, and you could role-play it out if you wanted to, handed you a raffle ticket, and then they um, did a raffle for some pretty amazing little uh, um, Star Wars merchandise. I had no yeah. idea. We didn't really get into there, into the uh, vendor area for any longer than about two minutes at a time until about an hour, half hour, 40 minutes before it closed because it was so freaking packed. Yeah. It, it, yeah, we just couldn't, we couldn't do it. Yeah, there were some really incredible artists over in the artist alley. We had, uh, probably badly pronounced this, Weta Studios. Nope, you got the it. guys that do Weta the... Uh, all the special effects for Lord of the Rings. So if you were walking in the south end of the Avengers studio uh, area, there was a giant orc. And if you were in the right area at the right time, you could see my wife kissing Gollum. Oh, it's a great picture. Um, (laughs) I wasn't sure if it was Gollum at first. I thought it might have been Clayton, but... I think I'm. I think I'm going to find myself in the market for a life-size golem. I think I need that in, the, in our atrium, <laughs> above the above the little the little rock formation. I'm thinking we need that. Yeah, there was also off also just even a little farther south from Weta Studios, there was a whole section of tables that was set up for gaming. So there was role playing going on. There were board games going on. Um, pretty much the entire day, if you wanted to. Uh, uh, try out any number of role-playing games or uh, board games, it, you would have no problem at all uh, finding entertainment for a couple hours. Yeah, I mean, it, it, was, it, was, it was pretty impressive. And they, they did a pretty good job uh, using up the vendor hall, but you could tell that some of the more questionable people got in there before um, this really took off, such as, why the fuck did Costco have a table? I saw I saw the signs for that. I was wondering that as well. <laughs> and and so did uh, Teleperformance USA. It's like um, g- great. Well, I'm sure it was. They were there for the same reason the Air Force Academy was there. Because nothing it, it, that was the perfect place, perfect place to recruit is um, <laughs> a bunch of geeks in costume. Well, no, but they can pull the whole, uh, they can pull the whole, you know, hey, flying a drone's like a video game bullcrap and, you know, try to sucker people in that way. Yeah, hey, I, I, we do, we do training exercises that are like role playing, you know, <laughs> hey, one of the guys in our, one of the guys in our, uh, in our, um, and our uh, gaming group is currently, you know, off doing uh, doing uh, role playing training exercises for the military. So, you know, there is a bit of a crossover. 
Okay. I can squint real hard and see that. Costco, I'm lost. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, just a, a, a pullover from uh, how fast the, the con grew that it allowed uh, um, people that couldn't uh, – who wouldn't normally afford to get into a, con- to a comic book convention to get in at the ground level. And then when it moved up to, to the uh, Salt Palace, that they were kind of just elevated along with it and didn't really have to pay any more money. Mm-hmm. And um, there, were, there were some amazing – collectibles um that were around there um there were toy stores that were dedicated to nothing but um uh first well the i wouldn't say the first run by any stretch of the star wars figures but um um the 1995 power of the force and above um there were there were some actually i i I don't know if if courtney could quite appreciate this um and clayton had to step away for a moment but uh, I, I got to see, once again, a Millennium Falcon in its original packaging, even though it was not even near mint. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. That's awesome. So I, I just enjoyed being able to just wander through and be reminded of so many things geeky and everything that I grew up with. And, um, you know, it, 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 it may not have been quite the same showcasing vendor hall that you would get from a... Like Gen Con, which, you know, caters to um, the companies that are producing the games. And and so you've got games all over the place and every single vendor has something unique. Um, Here it was more store, 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 store. um, That's some of them were selling the same merchandise, but it was still really awesome to just kind of wander through. And that was the best place to catch a sight of the the stars. It was also the Mm -hmm. best place to just people watch and see all the cosplayers, which there were some phenomenal cosplay. There were, there was some really great stuff. And, yeah. um, and Clayton, I liked sitting up at the top of the, at the top of the, up in the second level, there were the little, the little ramp area. I liked sitting there and watching people walk by. Cause oh, hell yeah. you could get a better, you could better get a better full view of people i think than in the vendor area but when were you in the vendor area um i i actually made it in there all three days and i okay. and i would i would uh i would spend at least an hour in each one so um but overall um i i think they could have expanded out a little more and i think they will next year um i mean th- there was some lame attempts at capitalizing there was a moss Eisley cantina that was just selling some of the the local micro brews which you know wasn't a bad touch but, I mean, unless somebody was going to dress up like that dingy bartender from the original Star Wars um, 1977, it just, it, it wasn't going to mm. fly. But mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> it was a nice attempt. It was a nice attempt. There was a lot of passion, I, I think, when it comes to those that came out to cosplay. And by cosplay, if, you, if you're not familiar with the vernacular, it is... Uh, just think of it as a person who wants to dress up as their favorite character from their favorite movie, from television shows, from comics. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we saw everything from, um, I mean, obviously the 501st was there. They, they are always, uh, they always have a presence at, uh, at these type of events um, all the way up to brand new uh anime from japan this year sword art online has kind of been one of the uh, the animes that has kind of uh taken the uh the 
the geek world by storm and there were a a whole host of both sword art online and uh titan attack cosplay that were all over the comic con and uh, i took a lot of pictures and uh, they're all up on our facebook page uh if you're interested in seeing uh uh, what type of cosplay was out there? You're going to see everything from Naruto to Star Wars to. Um, I even saw Clockwork Orange. Let's we'll put it that yeah. way. You what? Uh, sorry. I there was there was one guy dressed up as Alex from Clockwork Orange. Awesome. Um, so I had to applaud that. There was there was a lot of little. Oh, I kind of remember that. Mm-hmm. Okay, right. There was some good fan service here and there, so <laughs> I, I was quite impressed. Um, well, we've just raved about the good. Let's talk about the bad. Mm. There were a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, there were a lot of people, but I well, think kind of the, yeah, the big part was just uh, the the change in ven- venue just kind of brought with it a whole bunch of complexity that the original intention wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I go ahead. I I think that the um, you know bless the volunteers' heart hearts that's you know it's great that they were out there volunteering doing whatever but i don't believe that the uh i don't believe that the 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 volunteer education uh seminar beforehand was probably it either wasn't handled well or was not well attended or people didn't pay attention because we had you know (laughs) volunteers that did not know where the main stage was yeah or or announced that things were in the wrong place Mm mm-hmm my personal favorite was when we stood outside in a line for an hour trying to get in, and we asked, uh, and we asked a guy specifically from the Salt Palace, "Is this the is this the line just to get in, or is this the vendor area?" And they said, "Oh no, it's just to get in." And we ended up missing part of our panel because no, it was just the line for the vendor area. So once we decided to uh, to skip it and go through, then we got in just fine. But so there were there were people that were. Uh, that, that were giving mis not just not knowing but giving misinformation to people mm-hmm. which that was that was kind of a bummer and and my big issue too was there 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 wasn't much forethought when it came to the how the volunteers were going to set up um, the lines for uh, even entering into the the um, the panels um, mm-hmm. the VIPs definitely got there very important you know person passes and it made sense but um they just then would completely ignore trying to make clear lines and and i think there was there there was one panel that i participated in um and and maybe you guys were with me i can't remember anymore where we discovered 45 minutes into waiting into the line that um, we weren't actually in the line we were just standing behind Mm -hmm. somebody who thought he knew where he was standing yep i i experienced that i don't i didn't experience that one in particular but yeah so yeah Yeah, and they um they didn't seem to have a consistent uh naming numbering scheme with the panel rooms with the with the guide their guidebook and where you could actually find what everything uh where you could actually find everything that was labeled in the venue, which was kind of a bummer as well it seems like it would have been easier just to name the panel rooms you know the number yeah. of the of the room as opposed to saying <laughs> panel room three, but there are two panel room threes, and why don't you just call it two fifty two G or something? You know, I. And also, the uh, three day passes were wristbands if you were non <gasps> right. non VIPs. 
instead of a nice little lanyard. Um, and I had to wear that damn thing for three days. And um, I hadn't talked to Clayton beforehand, who had a neat little trick on how to put it on properly so you could still slip your hand out. Well, um, and I lost mine. <laughs> However, here's the, yeah, I lost mine for the third day. So I wasn't sure we were going to be able to get in. Here's the other thing that I think that they actually could have been a good thing, but I don't think they made it clear. Did you guys get the email uh, about the QR code? Um, I did, but I did not um, recognize it as the, hey, flash this and you can get in. I uh, did not either. For people who pre-bought, they, they, sent out, they sent out an email saying, oh, here, you can use this QR code. And, you know, the little, the little square scanny, scanny mm-hmm. dealy boppers. For people who aren't familiar with that, that's the technical <laughs> term, dealy bopper. And, um, yeah, they, they sent here, you can have this. But they didn't make it super clear in the email that this meant you did not have to pre-register. You could just go in, you could flash your phone with this little jobber, and you didn't have to stand in line and get your and get your uh, your non-existent swag bag, or or the wristband, or if you lost your wristband, that you can use this. It was not clear at all. I found out. I decided I was going to try to flash that when I lost my wristband, and the guy throws it. Oh yeah, you don't even need a wristband if you have one of those. You could have just come in. That really wasn't made very clear, and no. I think that the sheer number of people I saw with wristbands, and I think I only saw one other person attempt to use a QR code. I think it maybe could, if that was made clearer, I think they could have it could have cleaned things up quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, granted, my f- I kept draining my phone by the end of the day, so that probably would have backfired in my favor, uh, not in my favor. Yes. The well, the guidebook app had the guidebook app had something bizarre. That uh, that would uh, that would drain phone memory. I found yeah. if I had that, if I had opened the guidebook, my phone, my phone, uh, my phone battery would just plummet until I rebooted the phone. Wonderful. Even after I had closed it. So, <laughs> yeah. Clayton, what was bad for you? Um, I really think the uh, worst aspect for me was just the lack of communication when it came to the volunteers, and I and I totally do not blame the volunteers. Um, I, I no. definitely lay the, lay the blame on the people above them because it was obvious that they were not given the information that they needed to make it a really good experience for the participants. And But the one thing that I do have to give them credit for is they, they owned it. They said, yep, we didn't, we didn't, there were certain things that didn't work out as well as we would have liked. Um, there were some things that worked out well, and we will be learning from these mistakes and... Um, improving, so hopefully we don't see these things come again. And and, and granted, uh, in next year's Comic Con, um, I'll definitely be there. But um, you know, would you two return? Yeah, I I I I came out of the experience very positive. Um, the um, the good definitely far outweighed the bad, and I think that. It's going to be a exceptional experience come next year now that they know what they did um, wrong and what they can do to improve it. Yeah, I had an amazing time. If I had had my way, I and you know could have dealt with the people and wasn't exhausted. I would have nerded out from panel to panel to panel all three days. They were fabulous. I had a really great time. I would definitely consider it. Yeah, travel is travel is a. Uh, Travel is hard to arrange sometimes, but I, I would definitely consider it. But yeah, the only thing that would stop me would be would be the travel, not the not the con itself. 
And Cthulhu wasn't too kind to your vehicle. Um, oh, that's true. No, no. <laughs> that kind no. of it was a nice drain on 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 the relaxation portion of your. Yes, vacation. the fact that I had to spend the fact that I spent a lot of time running around trying to figure out how to get my car fixed, which you know, Aaron Aaron's cousin. Thank you so much. Saved my life. But yeah, that, Salt Lake that did and, take up some extra time that I had not planned. Yes. Thank you, JDMJs. Um, yes. For uh, doing that. Um, yes. If you need something, if you need a car fixed in Salt Lake City, highly recommend them. They're, they're awesome. Do a great job. Only if it's Japanese, though. <laughs> okay. Um, but, well, anything, any other, any final thoughts? Um, I think the only thought that uh, both my wife and I wanted to pass on to the viewers is if you go to if you go to a convention and, and, and just not Salt Lake itself but um, any convention yes the vendors that's where there's, there's lots of candy there but if you want some true you know something you can take away from the Comic Con make sure you spend some time at the panels oh yeah they are mm-hmm. worth the time in line the the people that they generally have involved are very passionate, very informed about the topics they're going to talk about. And mm-hmm. they're going to make the hour, or in some case two, three, however long they're going to go, they're going to make it worth your time um, to sit there and uh, live, learn, and be entertained. Yep. Yes. I am super anti-line. I hate waiting <laughs> in lines, and I did not mind. A, I did not mind waiting in line. For these for for these panels, they were so fabulous. They were worth my time. It was a great place to people watch, and you actually met and talked to some and learned some really interesting things about people just standing in line. I mean, that standing in line. We stood in line an hour to make sure we got into the Stephen King, to make sure we got into the Stephen King panel, and no, he wasn't there, but a no. panel about Stephen King, and you know, just talking to some of the people sitting on the floor, you know, talking to everybody. It was it was just a really great time. I am anti line, and it was worth it. <laughs> I, right. I wasn't worth it wasn't worth it for uh, all the people in the vendor area though I had to wait till that cleared I just couldn't do that <laughs> yeah that was, that was a little much uh, especially yeah. leading a three-year-old but um, I had prepped myself knowing what to expect and so it it didn't phase me quite as much but come Saturday at 6 p.m. when I was I had had enough I was burnt out I was I was like all right done um, the cranky three-year-old excuse me four-year-old and and my feet are killing me, and it didn't help that uh, that uh, Clayton and and his wife Tish and my wife Katie and my son all decided on th- Friday to do a very very steep hike. Well, <laughs> up yeah, totally Timpanogos and going through uh, Timpanogos Cave, which was pretty awesome, but that slowed us down. So, um, but uh, I, I I call this a success, and I'm excited for the next one. And and it and it and this also I forgot to mention um, went down in in Utah history is the largest convention ever, ever ever and in the state. They've even ever, even more than even more than the Mormon conventions. Uh, that doesn't count. That's, oh, okay, that's, that, I didn't know that's, what that's 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 yeah. that's religious. We're, I, oh, like okay. we're talking like the outdoor retailer show and and oh, okay. the other stuff that okay. brings a lot of money. Because so, I mentioned that to people, and that was the question they asked. I was like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, hmm. yeah, okay. that's okay. That's, Sorry, that, it could be a convention, <laughs> but I don't want to. I'm not going to exclude any Let's of our audience. <laughs> and for Comic Cons, it is the third largest. Um, wow. Comic book convention period. period. Yeah. Wow. So let's see so, what happens in year two. Yep. Woohoo! 
All right. So, um, yeah, I think it's time to wrap this puppy up. And uh, if, if you have uh, fast-forwarded your recorded uh, podcast to the end, hoping to hear the uh, winners, good luck I'm finding them. Tell you. <laughs> you have to you got to listen to all of them and then contact us. Otherwise, we'll give it to somebody else. And by somebody else, I mean me. Yeah, and we've got <laughs> no, we have no got, more listeners. <laughs> we've got a lot of um, potential guests lined up, uh, depending on what you want. So let us know. We 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 uh, contacted uh, one gentleman uh, regarding a movie that he had uh, done. It was a science fiction micro budget film called Ninety Fivers Echoes, which. Um, if you're interested in how to uh, do a movie on a budget, uh, this guy would probably know how to tell you how to do it. Um, we, I made contact with Tracy Hickman, and he agreed to be on the podcast at some point in the future to talk about uh, his storyteller game. Um, and, of course, you know... Which met its Kickstarter budget. Mm-hmm. Woohoo! And Salt Lake City Comic Con made sure that he met his... Uh, his initial goal in only 23 days. Yeah. <laughs> you. And um, hopefully we can get, um, I'm, I'm sorry, who was, who was the adjunct professor again? Paul Anderson. Paul Anderson. I, yeah, I will. I really want try. him on. I do oh, too. Yeah. Yeah. My wife wants to hear us talk to him about Disney. Oh, no. I refuse. I, I think that would be interesting. Okay, fine. Um, so, uh, thanks again for listening, or thank you for the first time to listening to Geekhead Radio. This is Preacher23, also known as Aaron, telling you to not just embrace your inner geek, but to make vigorous love to it. Mm, Vigorous love. And this is Perrin, uh, from deep in the heart of Texas. Thank you for getting ahead from Geekhead. And this is Courtney reminding you that a tentacle in the hand is worth two in the... Never mind. Good night, everybody. Terminate transmission of DKM radio.